Good morning to each and every one of you. It's great to see you. It's great to see all of you wonderful friends on site. And welcome to all who have joined us online. And a shout out to our many guests from across the city, across the nation, and even from around the world who have joined us today. Well, we're in a seven-part sermon series, and we're exploring the one another passages of Scripture in God's Word. And today I want to camp on a theme that I, I just love talking about. It just brings me to life. It lights me up. I want to talk to you today for a few moments before we have communion about honor one another. So everybody say the word honor. Would you do that with me? Honor. One, two, three. Honor. I want to invite you to get your Bible and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. There are sermon notes on the church website. Paul now comes from theology to practical teaching. And he's bringing application to the theology that he brought forth in the book of Romans. When you come to chapter 12, he gives these, these quick statements with very little explanation. And it's just like, like bullets shooting, and he's giving these fast thoughts. And you come to verse 10, and he says, be devoted to one another. And then he gives this amazing express, expression, honor one another above yourself. I want you to notice that when we speak of honor, it's about others. Every relationship you have, if you're married, your spouse, you have parents, your parent, your child, your siblings, your, your co-workers, your boss. Honor one another above yourself. This morning, I want to break this message into two parts. And I want to start with 12 practical principles about what honor is. I want to explain it to you. And then I want to end this sermon with three potent scriptures that I believe are going to speak to our hearts today. So let's get right to the message. And I want to share with you 12 honor principles. Number one, I want to tell you what honor means, whether in the Greek, in the New Testament, or in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament. It means the same thing. Same thing. It means to give value. It means to give worth. It means to give weight. When you honor someone above yourself, you're saying to them, I value you so much. I, I, I see merit to you. You matter to me. You have worth. There is weight to who you are. There is something about you that I see in you and how God has made you and created you. And I value you. I honor you. You matter to me. There is worth. Number two, dishonor is... Is, is the opposite of honor. And dishonor means to treat someone as common or ordinary. You're, you're just common. You're just ordinary. You're not significant. You're just someone else. You're, you're ordinary. You're common. And you can understand if you're married, if you, you treat your spouse as ordinary or common, it just doesn't go well. And if you've you, you got siblings or your parent or your child or someone else, when you just treat them as ordinary or common, you're like, whatever. It doesn't go well. But then there's number three, honor elevates. It always builds up. It always elevates the person where dishonor decimates, it destroys. Dishonor destroys and honor elevates. Honor builds up and dishonor tears down. I think we'd all agree today that God doesn't want us to destroy one another, right? He wants us to build one another up. Then there's number four, and I've used the expression before, the devil's in the details. 
But did you know that the devil is in the details of dishonor? Did you know that the devil loves a culture of dishonor? The devil loves when you put each other down. The devil loves when you decimate. The devil loves when we treat others as ordinary or common. And the devil is right in those details and loves messing up relationships and loves destroying the body of Christ and destroying marriages and putting down one another. The devil is really in the details of dishonor. Number five, honor is giving. Where dishonor is taking. When you honor, you're giving value to someone. When you dishonor someone, you're taking value from them. When you honor, it's a giving component. Dishonor is a taking away component. But then there's number six, the level of honor that you give to someone else is really determined by the amount of value that you perceive. How is your perception? It was a little over a week ago that we had a gathering with your pastoral and office team to honor Miss Carol Ann, Carol Ann Stagg, an amazing office secretary in our church for like 18 years. The voice of Woodvale. You'd call and you'd get her friendly voice and you'd come in and you'd see her smile. She made such a difference. And we sat and we shared a meal together, sitting at separate tables. Don't worry, we were COVID friendly. And then at the end of the eating, we all took time to speak words of honor over Carol Ann. We blessed her with gifts and she was sitting at a table with her husband, Wally, and Evelyn and I were at another table and we were near them. And as each one is sharing these words, I heard her whisper to Wally, who are they talking about? Because people were dripping with words of elevation, with words of value, with words of worth. And why could we do that? Because we perceived who she is. We saw the value, the worth, and so we elevated her. And there was tears that were shed. And so church, the level of honor you give is determined by the amount of value perceived. But then there's number seven. The level of honor that you receive is determined by the level of honor that you give. I've learned that when I give honor, blessing is released all over my life. Blessing follows honor. And the level of honor that I give to others around me, above myself, it determines the level of blessing that I receive in my life. And, and I, I just, I, it feels good to honor. It feels good to make it not about you, but to make it about someone else and to speak life over them. But then there's number eight. When you honor someone, here's the practical. You protect them. You don't harm them. You would never do something that would harm them. You would never say something that would harm them. And as a church, we never want to do something that would harm another church. I never want to say something that would harm another pastoral colleague in the city. I want to protect. I want to bless. So when you honor, you protect and you praise. You, you elevate. You speak words of life just for free this morning. You don't have to say everything you're thinking. Am I right? How many people know we need to have a filter on our mind and our, our thoughts? You don't have to say everything you're thinking. And... Sometimes saying it is more damaging 
May we speak words of life, not words of death. And so when you honor, you protect, and you praise, and you prioritize. When you honor your spouse, you spend time with them. When you honor your children, you, you, you just don't shower them with gifts. You, you give them quality and quantity time. Where are your priorities? Determines your honor. And so when you honor someone, you protect, you praise, you prioritize. Number nine, here's, here's a good one. Honor is about what you decide, not what they deserve. I have people all the time saying to me, Mark, how can I honor them? If you only knew what they did to me, if you only knew what they said, if you only knew how they hurt me, if you only knew the damage that's in my life, I'm so bruised and broken, and you want me to honor them, you can honor a person and not honor their actions. You can honor the person and not their actions. Some of you today, it's hard to honor mom or dad because of what's gone on in your home life. You can honor the position and not their actions. Honor is a decision. And I would call us to make a decision to do all we can to function and live in a culture of honor. Number 10, this one really resonates with my heart. And, and as we were worshiping in that last song, I, I found myself saying, God, I'm so sorry for the times I've made it about me. Honor begins with our vertical relationship with God. When you truly honor and value and give worth to God, it becomes easier to let honor move into the horizontal relationships of your life. It always starts in the vertical, and then it moves to the horizontal. So as followers of Jesus, let's grow in our honor to God, and then it will become easier to reflect that in our honor to one another. Then there's number 11. Have you ever heard the expression, cancel culture, where people are just out to cancel someone? They go on social media and they, they, they cancel the person and they don't give all the facts and they don't know all the facts and they, they, they dish them, they put them down, they, they speak negative, they cancel them. They just, church, may we never fall into the trap of a cancel culture. May we step into a lifestyle of a celebration culture. Amen. And if we have an offense against someone, let's not share it on social media. Let's be people of the Bible and go one-on-one, face-to-face. -on -one, -face. Can I hear a little amen in the house this morning? Can we be a people who are biblical? May we not cancel. May we celebrate. And lastly, a culture of honor is discovered in our language and our words and our lifestyle. It's never manipulated. It's never mechanical. It's never forced. It just flows naturally from us. And so this morning, for just a few moments, before we go to communion, can I take you to three powerful passages? One is found in the book of Exodus chapter 1. And I want to read to you verse 6 down to verse 22. And let's get right to it. In verse 6, now Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. One, two, three. Joseph. Do you remember Joseph? 
You remember how Joseph, he had that coat of many colors and, and his brothers threw him in a pit and, and, and they just dishonored Joseph. But Joseph, instead of dishonoring his brothers, he honored them. And you know how the story ends. They come and they meet Joseph and they weep, they cry. He blesses them. And it's, it's a great story of total forgiveness. But in verse 6, now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation had died. And so the culture of honor that he had grown and lived out was now dead. Look at verse 7. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly. They increased in numbers, and they became so numerous that the land was filled with them. There was blessing. And then in verse 8, but then there's a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. The new king didn't honor Joseph's lineage. The new king treated all the Israelites as common and ordinary. Look at verse 9. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Verse 10, come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous than us. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us, and they will leave the country. The king was threatened by the blessing that was over the Israelites. In verse 7, so they put slave masters over them. Pharaoh put slave masters over the Israelites, who was over the Israelites, but an oppressive leadership. And they, they lived with forced labor, it says in verse 11. And they built Python and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever served under an oppressive, difficult leadership? Don't lift your hand. You had a boss that was difficult to work under? Have you dreaded Monday mornings? How do you function when you feel oppressed? Verse 12, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. Oh, spoiler alert. The reason why the Israelites can walk in honor is because they rose above the dishonor. And I want to challenge you today when you're living under an oppressive, dishonoring life. Choose to rise above it. And don't stoop to dishonor when you get dishonor. Give honor when you receive dishonor. And you will live under the blessing of Almighty God. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, give a top offering of praise to our Lord God. It's okay. In verse 13, and he worked them ruthlessly. It was, it was horrible. Verse 14, they made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor. The Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Poah. Verse 16, when you are helping the Hebrew woman during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, I love this, However, feared God, they honored God, and they did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They will honor God more than man, and they let the boys live. Verse 18, then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? Verse 19, the midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous. <laughs> I just love that verse. And give birth before the midwives arrive. Verse 20, so God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and become even more numerous. And because the midwives feared or honored God, he gave them families of their own. 
In verse 22, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Then you come to chapter 2. It's the story of Moses and the little basket in the Nile River. But church, if you don't get anything else from this chapter, get this. you got to rise above the dishonor that you're receiving. And you can do it with the help of Jesus. And you could honor a person even when you can't honor their actions. You can find something good even in the midst of the bad. And I promise you, honor will help you to live in a feeling and expression of the blessing of God. I want to take you to the second passage of Scripture. I want to talk to you for a few moments about David and and Saul. I know I told you there's three scriptures, but these second scriptures has a part A and a part B, so stay with me. Let's go to 1 Samuel 24. And in 1 Samuel chapter 24, it says in verse 3, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and this is Saul. So Saul's chasing David. David's running for his life. He went in to relieve himself. I know I don't have to explain it. You know what that means. And David and his, what, what Saul didn't know, he goes into the cave He didn't know that David and his man were way back in the cave. David and his soldiers are way back in the cave. And there's Saul. Saul's in there. He's relieving himself. Verse 4. The men said to David, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. I want to push pause because David exemplified a culture of honor. But even those under him didn't catch it. Even those that you exemplify honor will call you on to dishonor. Don't stoop to it. And they said to David, this is the day. Come on, there's Saul. He's relieving himself. Take him down. And so so David listened to them. And David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And you're all like, how on earth that happened? Well, Saul, Saul as the king, had a long flowing robe. And he's... He's squatting down, and the robe is extending quite a distance. And Davy snuck up, and he cut off a little corner of the robe of the kingly garment of Saul. And and just to prove that he was there. In verse 6, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. Saul was the king, and Saul was chasing him. And he said, My master. Then he said, The Lord's anointed. Or lay my hand on him, for he's the anointed of the Lord. He's conscience-stricken. He's convicted. Verse 7, with these words, David sharply rebuked his man and didn't allow them to attack Saul. And so Saul left the cave, goes on his way. Verse 8, then David goes out of the cave and he called out to Saul, My Lord, the king, hard words. When he knew Saul was out to kill him, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Jump down to verse 16, because now they're in conversation. When David finished saying this, Saul said, "Is, Is that your voice, David, my son? Can you imagine Saul calls David son, but he's out to kill him, and he wept aloud. I love verse 17. You are more righteous than I, he said. You've treated me well. But I've treated you badly. Saul said, David, you've honored me. But I've dishonored you. And he's crying. He's weeping. And jump down to verse 19. He says, when a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? David did. When the Lord, may the Lord reward you well 
for the way you treated me or honored me today. If I could say one thing to you before I take you to part B of this text, it's this. There is no justification for dishonor. There's none. There's no room for it. Yeah, but you, ah, oh, there is no justification for dishonor. David maybe had reason, but he didn't. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 26 now. Let me read to you a couple of verses. It sounds like it's a similar story, but it's not. In this story, David and his men surround the camp of Saul, and Saul's got his soldiers around him, and Saul is sound asleep. And David breaks into the camp, and he gets there, and, and it's, it's Abishai, the warriors with him, said, he's sleeping. Come on, David, please, let me take the spear and kill him. I'll only do it once. I won't need to stop. Let me take him down. Let me kill Saul. We're here. And he's sleeping. This is the moment. Look at verse 9. But David said to Abishad, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Verse 10, as surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come and, and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. Verse 11, but the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear, get his water jug that are near his head. Let's get out of here. And he takes the spear and he takes the water jug. The spear is the weapon. The water jug is the water to, to refresh him. And they took it just to prove that we were there. And, and then jump down to verse 24. And, and now this conversation with Davy and Saul. And, and he said, surely as I valued your life today. Do you see honor there? Because honor is to give value, to give worth, to give weight. And David said, as surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life. As I've honored you, may the Lord honor me and deliver me from all trouble. Verse 25, Saul said to David, may you be blessed, David, my son. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way. And Saul returned home. Church, honor releases blessing over your life. But there's one more scripture, and this one really convicts me. And it's the final, final, final scripture. It's found in Malachi chapter 1, and I want to read to you verse 6 down to verse 14, and it's a zinger scripture, and it's a convicting scripture. And God is speaking through Malachi, the prophet. If you're Italian, you might call him Malachi. And Malachi said these words in verse 6, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. And then God spoke through Malachi and said, If I'm a father, where's the honor that I deserve? If I'm a master, where's the respect or the honor that's due me? Says the Lord Almighty. And then God speaks to Malachi, and Malachi points out the problem. The problem was the priests. And he says, it's you priests who show contempt for my name. Contempt means to treat as ordinary or common. Contempt means to dishonor. And God says to Malachi, it's the priests who don't honor my name. So the priest said, but you ask, how will how, how we show in dishonor for your name, God? How will we show in contempt? And God responds in verse 7 by offering 
defiled foods on my altar. In the Old Testament, in the worship, they would give sacrifices of animals. And God says, what you give me is defiled. Verse 8, he tells him what goes on here. Verse 8, you offer blind animals for sacrifice. Isn't that wrong? You don't give me the best. You're giving me the blind animals. When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, isn't that wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. God says to Malachi, if you give the blind, the diseased, the blemished animals to the governor, what would your governor say? The governor would say, get out of here. I'm worth more than that. Verse 9, now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Then in verse 10, oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors. Just close the temple so that you wouldn't light these useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I won't accept no offering from your hands. Verse 11, come on, church, just stand as I read verse 11. Could you stand with me this morning? I just want to, I want to paint this picture in these final moments that we're going to come to communion because God said through Malachi to the Israelites, my name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets in every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations says the Lord Almighty I want to push pause how many people know our God is great how many people know our God is good how many people know our God is worthy of all praise God said through Malachi my name is great from where the sun rises to where the sun sets my name is great, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 12, but you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. Then you yawn in verse 13, say, what a burden. Oh, I will do this. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring the injured the lame, the diseased animals, and you offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and fails to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. And then he says, for I am a great king. Can I ask you a question? How many people really believe our God is a great king of kings and a great lord of lords and my name is to be feared among the nations here's what i get from this verse from this text from this chapter if i can grow to honor God for who he truly is it'll be so much easier for me to honor those around me above myself it starts with your honor to God so before communion can we just lift our heads right now pastor could you just lead us in a little bit of the song again and let's just honor God 
Let's honor him for who he is. Let's honor him for who he is. He's worthy of all praise. Amen, church. He's worthy of all glory. We value you, God. We honor you, God. Let's worship together.
when we truly honor God, it becomes easier to honor one another. And I want to challenge you this week to say, God, release honor through my life. How can I practically honor those around me above myself with my words, with my actions? Find something you can speak of honor over your spouse if you're married, over your child, over your parent, over your sibling, over those around you. And watch what God does as you begin to function in honor. Amen. Well, today you're holding on to a small package. I want you to pull it out. These are the emblems. A small little wafer. I want you to peel back the top and get the little wafer ready. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus was in an upper room with his disciples and he took some bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took some, some, some juice from the vine and he said, this is my blood. Do this also in remembrance of me. And then he went to a cross and he died for our sins. And before we partake of these emblems, I want you to bow your heads. Whether you're here on site or you're watching online, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you're going to heaven? Have you personally asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior? The way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Was there a time, a place, a moment that you said, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Because Christianity is a relationship with God. You're standing here today or you're watching online and you can't answer that question with a definite yes. I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus come, into my life. come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. I've decided to follow I want to serve you. I want to serve you. I pray this now. I pray this now. In the name of Jesus. I believe there's people right here on site, and I believe there's people watching online that you prayed that prayer for the first time, and you made your peace with God. If you're on site, on your way out in a few moments, drop by a table at an exit point. We got a Bible for you, a little booklet for you. If you're watching online, reach out to us. We'll, we'll connect back with you. And sign up for our follow class. It happens on Wednesday night online. It's going to help you in your new faith journey. But I want you to take the wafer and just hold it up, would you? This represents the body of Jesus. How many people are glad Jesus came, amen? How many people are glad that he died for our sins, amen? He said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the wafer that represents the body of Jesus. I want you to peel back a little bit of the cup here with the juice. Jesus said, this is my blood. Do this also in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus. Could you put that cup down somewhere? How many people are glad that we serve a living Lord, a living Savior in His name is Jesus? Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Mom, Pastor Brad, before we close, let's worship for a few more moments. Let's put all the focus in these final moments. Let's put all the attention. Let's give this honor to the Lord because he's worthy. Just for a few final moments, let's lift our hands. Let's worship together. Oh, I just want you and nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. 
just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else to tell I just want you Nothing else Oh, nothing else Nothing else to tell I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else Oh, nothing else Nothing else will do Put your hands together one more time and celebrate our Lord. Amen. I'm so glad that you joined us today. Evan, I love you so much. We honor you. We honor you. And we honor our guests today. Can we one more time thank all of our first-time guests for being here today? And if that's you and you're here on site, make sure you drop by a table on the way out. We have a coffee card for you, our way of saying thank you for coming. And we thank you for honoring God through your tithes and your offerings. If you've come prepared to give on site, there's offering buckets at the back. There's debit machines in the lobby. Thank you for honoring the Lord with your tithes and offerings. If you're on site today and you'd like someone to personally pray for you as the service comes to a close and people are exiting, feel free to come to the front and stand on one of these lines. And there'll be someone on our prayer team that will come to you and be honored just to pray for you today and uh, so we want to make you aware of that again if you accepted Jesus in your life you made the best decision of your life drop by a table on the way out we got a bible for you a little booklet for you and we want to help you in your new faith journey and uh, you saw the building expansion plans we're excited if we stay on track we'll be starting the renovations of the children's wing next spring and then starting into the expansion and we just thank god for leading us and directing us so be in prayer there's lots to do with that in the days ahead i'm so glad you came i trust that you were glad to be in the house of the lord this morning amen and uh, join us next sunday 9 or 11 and may the lord bless you greatly have a great day and a great week god bless you